0: You are listening to KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder, KGNU 1390 Denver, and this is Storytellers of Color, our monthly show that airs every second Monday on KGNU. I am your host, Rosana Longobetter. The main goal of the show is to provide a safe space for diverse artists through a series of conversations to elevate their voices and discuss issues of equity in the media landscape. Our guest this morning is someone exceptional, Tony Garcia, award-winning playwright, musician, composer, educator, and social activist. Tony Garcia, welcome. It's so much fun to have you.
1: Thank you, Rosanna. Glad to be here morning, I still got all that. We work on the other side of the schedule, right? The morning schedule is still a little, little bit. uh
0: It's not so easy. I'm also a, a night person. I love the night because the night brings the magic.
1: You think so? Yes, I agree.
0: A lot of people said to me, oh, you're going to be <laughs> able to interview Tony Garcia. That's a treat. But just make sure that you can survive all the jokes that he's going to throw to you. So you already threw one to me (laughs) because I have scripts and I'm just jumping now.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I apologize.
0: No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's such a pleasure to be able to chat with you this morning. And there's so much to cover. But I just want to stop right now and say that I was able to see the performance Enrique's journey before the pandemic shut us down. And what an experience I had there at Su Teatro. And you just remind me of that, of the improvisation, the talented people, the passion behind the whole thing. And KGNU was retransmitting that serious and it was unbelievable to be part of KGNU at that moment i just started being the the bilingual reporter and we had the opportunity to bring that to our listeners and it was outstanding i also met sonia nasario when she came here to boulder long ago to chat with students at different schools and again this is a story that is not unique but it was such well done, not only the book, but also how you put it together, bringing the music and the talent from local people.
1: Sonia is brilliant and brave. And uh, I actually I actually used relied heavily on the book. Uh, I focused on a lot of the narrative stuff because uh, the book is a combination of the narrative story, but it also has a lot of factual stuff and newspaper kind of approach. So I went through and I pulled that stuff out. I had a month to do it originally, and then we were able to develop it more. But Sonia was so cooperative. Uh, we did it in LA. Uh, all of Sonia's fees and my fees have gone to, to, none of us have received any money from it. It has gone, she, she would, did a thing when we were in LA, the fees we got, we did a month in LA, which was very different from doing it here in Denver because the Central American community here in Denver, there's not. It's, it's not very large but in LA it's huge. And some of the, 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 response was, was, was positive, much more intense than it was here. Not that it was bad here, but it just was a very different experience. But she, she said that the, the money she got for the thing went to buy uh, assist. I, 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 I'm not sure exactly what was purchased out of the thing, but there was a young woman who actually lost her legs uh, trying to get on the train. And Sonia put that money towards getting her mobile and, and such. And, and so that also, is an aspect of why that's it's the story but it's not it's a story that that goes deeper and goes broader and Sonia has committed her life to to doing this. I always say, you know, I may have written it and, and put it on stage and such but I didn't have to write on the top of those trains which is what Sonia went back and did. And if that had happened there there would not be an Enrique's journey if I would have had to do it. I I don't see myself doing that kind of thing. So that's very brave of that woman. I've admire her I envi- admire her tremendously, tremendously
0: Antoni, you are uh, also somebody that has been a flame keeper of the Chicano and Latino culture in Denver, uh, supporting, helping a lot of young artists to come up and show their talents. As executive artistic director of Su Teatro, please tell us about your upbringing and how the local landscape has changed since the 60s. In Denver's West Side Barrio.
1: I grew up in Denver's West Side Barrio. I grew up where the Auraria campus is, and it was a very it was a very segregated world that we lived in then, but it was insulated in that neighborhood there. You'd walk down the street and there would be a a prima, your primos lived down the block and and your your tia's lived on another side. And it was all everybody was there was a lot of of that intimacy of, of community. And when the campus was, when the neighborhood, when it was determined that the neighborhood was gonna be leveled, it was, I think people were in shock. People were surprised, people challenged it. And that was the beginning of some awareness there. And I don't think we understood the devastation that would take place. Because what it did is dispersed the Chicano population. We had been concentrated and now we were all over the city and there was no central place. And we moved, you know, if we didn't have a lot of money we moved to westward, Westwood and if we had a little bit more money we moved to the north side Now that doesn't mean it was a lot of money but you could see the class differences breaking there and uh i was uh i was uh i struggled through high school Uh, i had a great uh one one through eight great education but in high school i I struggled a lot with that transition and ended up dropping out of school but i struggled to stay in school and i ended up going back uh, to going getting into school at the university of colorado at denver I started off at CCD and finished my GED, so I'm a GED graduate, and uh, and I I got turned on to play music. Uh, there was always there was always music and storytelling. My mother is a great storyteller. Uh, she we I I'm old enough to have lived in a world before television and cable and and all that and and the internet and all that stuff like that. So my mother would gather us after dinner and she would tell us stories, and uh, they would a lot be about our family. It was interesting how our family members. Grew a beanstalk, and it, our family members did all of these kind of things. That later on, I read were actually stories. My mother had localized them. That's what it was called. But she also told the stories about our our, our history and our families, and spiritual elements of, of 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 the world that was not taught to me in, in the religious school that I went to. Um, and by the time I got into into school, the Chicano movement and the struggle uh, uh, for for civil rights, for justice, social justice here in Denver had started to explode. Uh, the West Side was a hotbed of that activity. Uh, the West High School blowouts took place. I did not go to West High School, but a lot of my friends did. And so that kind of on the street uh, activities uh, movement really stimulated us. Also the, the death of Louis Pineda, who was, a, uh, who was a young man who was caught breaking into Omero Ford's uh, garage there and he was shot in the back by police. I mean, there's nobody says it was right for him to break into the garage. But it was the, the issue of how he was killed. And then that how got getting any kind of justice for him or understanding of what took place was also something I remember walking down the streets in my neighborhood and seeing signs in the windows that said justice for Louis. And so all of those things were stimulants. And like any kid my age in the 60s, I Tried to play I played guitar. I wanted to learn to play guitar because that's how you got to meet girls. I thought. I never did and never played with a guy named Carlos Santianas, who was really good. And I saw Suteatro perform. And so a lot of people think I'm the founder, but I am not. They were performing, they came out of a class at the University of Colorado at Denver in that spring. And I saw them in that spring. And by the summer, I wanted to be a part of that class. And they wanted him because he played really good. And then they got me as part of the deal.
0: And the rest is history. And right uh, now, and the, and right now, where we are, and this is what is so amazing is that Su Teatro has paid off the mortgage at that place that has been so important to keep our community. You're gonna have a celebration, and the celebration is gonna be. And this is what touched me. You guys are saying that you're gonna be burning, burning it out. And and it reminds me, because we just passed the celebration of New Year's, how much this tradition of burning things down, once we pass them, passing off with fire, and how our communities, our indigenous, our Latino, our Chicano communities of color use fire as a symbol of transformation.
1: Transformation and rebirth, yes.
0: And not only that, that you guys have been able to put, to go through these with the support of the community. And that speaks wonders.
1: And over the 50 years, and we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. So all of those things are kind of, there's a way, it's amazing how life does that, or it brings all of these things, kind of lines itself up that way. Um, this is our 50th anniversary. We began in 72, now it's tw- uh, 2020. Well, was, now it isn't. Um, but uh, we have always been a group that felt very strongly about self-determination. Uh, that was one of the principles that we gathered out of the Chicano movement, of us being able to own our own, control our destiny. And it has, I think there's a lot of, there was a real, in, in the field that we work with, I mean, for artists to survive, they have to have access to the mainstream. And differently so, Sutiatro has really felt that the mainstream, that what our purpose was to expand the mainstream. And, and let them into our space, but not necessarily change what we were doing to go into their spaces. And this is very similar to our philosophy of what we did with the theater. The theater was in fourth foreclosure. It had been owned by a lot of uh, more mainstream type of entities. Uh, Henry Lonstein was a very great guy who let us in, but there was a 10 year period where we went through a lot of different hands and it ended, and it was right in the community. And by the time it was done, they they closed they closed up. There really wasn't much relationship with the community. And um, and so when we took over, I think there was a lot. And when we had had the conversations about the trouble that they might have been having, there was a lot of well, those guys, you there has no resources. That community has no resources. But the reality is, every step of the way, our community has 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 supported us and has put together those funds and that support for us and if it's it's paso a paso I can tell you the number of times when I've had people in the community come up and say hey I want it's only 20 bucks but I want to give you this for what you're doing here I had I had señoritas say señoras come in and 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 give me a 20 and say and say this is for whatever problems whatever things you're working with now and you go you I know you don't have the money and it's like no but this is what I want the money to go to
0: it's a big deal just like you're saying owning your own destiny and doing these like you're saying for the future for the youth bilingual bicultural kids that will come and they have their space they have their safe space to feel at home and the celebration is going to be big it seems like it's going to be friday january the 27th at four pm and everybody is invited to join the Southside parking lot on 7th Avenue side of su teatro building for a ceremonial burning of the mortgage I think it's fantastic that you're gonna be able to do that
1: yeah and just for the record we will be burning whatever outside not inside there was a little, <laughs> there had people a couple of you had questions on that and it's like no uh yeah it's uh we'll have a mortgage inferno. Uh, just this idea of, of now that is behind us and now we look for what we need to do. It's, it's an evolutionary piece as you're talking about this whole piece of, clearly in dealing in the times that we're in of how, losing so many people during the COVID piece uh, time. And, and as we so many people from my generation are also starting to transition and all of those things kind of play in there. And it's, it's time for us to look at what that future that future is going to be. We have had a lot of great artists come through the work that we're doing. And we feel that we call Suteatro a place where culture culture comes together, right? Uh, and it means that it's, it's, it's like, we started off as a Chicano organization, but clearly it grew very quickly to mean all Latinos, all, all people, you know, bilingual people as your, as your, and then it became, you know, the source theaters is an African-American theater, a black theater that works out of our space too. But in that time, you know, we've hosted, uh, um, Arab Arab groups, groups, Iranian groups, we've had Greek groups coming in there. We've had all these different uh, collaborations with people across the board. And it's like all of us have to need. This is a space for all of us to come together, for all of us to be a part of of this country and of, of this community and also to support all of those who are struggling to survive with the work that this country has a tendency to do to to oppress them as well.
0: You are listening to KGNU 88.5 FM, Boulder, Denver. And today, in our Storytellers of Color show, we are talking with Denver native Anthony J. Garcia, who has been inspiring our Chicano Latino communities with his work. He's an award winning playwright, social activist, educator, musician, composer, and a key mentor and leader of social movements in Denver. And it is such a fantastic opportunity to speak with you. And what you just said to me makes me think that even though we have always been here, we did not cross the border, the border crossed us, and our numbers keep on growing, our communities keep on growing, what would you say we are still somehow culturally marginalized?
1: Daniel Valdez who's an often a collaborator with me when I was in my early 70s he was an influence on me a lot about the music and we, we've written stuff together he did wrote a song called America de los indios and it was a real awakening about how our past our indigenous past our pre-columbian past is actually the future of our world the future of the Americas the it's it's this piece of no matter how much we've been we've been marginalized no matter how much has been taken from us it ain't going to matter because in the end our children are here what we brought what we put together after 500 years my family came here the on the spanish side they came here 500 years ago and they and they uh, married they created babies out of the 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 hopi women that they they connected with and such and so i'm a legacy to the 500 years before me and and so what we see for that future so why are we still marginalized? I think it's a process it's that we live in a system that if it, it, it doesn't, you know, we, they talk about a rising ship raises all boats, right? I mean, a rising tide raises all boats. And that's an idea that, that, of capitalism, how as everybody, one gets better, the big get better, then all of us come up to this. But that hasn't been the work in practice. The practice is, is that, that in order to raise those tides, you have to step on other people. And you have to step on other, you have to, you have to control and, and own everything becomes commodified, whether it's the arts, right? Whether it's our history or culture, that's the bigger challenge. I think as we move forward is how do we maintain control over that? How do we maintain that, that as a tool for our community, when we know full well that once the system figures out a way of making money off of it, they'll take it away from us, you know, and that that to me is is and as our children struggle to survive in that world of wanting to be a part of that world that actually can give them resources to feed their families and and reach their dreams at the same time what it takes in exchange for that and i think that is the paradox that's where we all that's where we all try to find that that line to exist in you know and that yeah this thing was about money it seems like it's about money but we've had people who offered for us to pay off our building for us, just say, let's just pay it off and we'll get done with it. And we've said, no, it's so much more important that our community does it paso a paso that we do it as a group together, step-by-step. Step. And I think that that's, that is, that's the crux that's where we deal with is how I still, our people want to get to those places where they can, they can help their other community and stuff like that. But then what, what do we lose? And we're, we're dealing with an immigrant issue, issue here in, uh, in Denver presently, you know uh, And what we hear sometimes from our, our own community is, look at those people, they're coming here and taking things from us. But there's been an ongoing battle, I think, an ongoing one of the things that comes out of that ongoing battle is that we start turning into to, we start to battle each other and, and fight for, for something that that's not really worth fighting for. The scraps off the table is not what we deserve. We deserve to be at that table. And so that's a struggle. That's, that's an ongoing conversation that we have on stage. I think Su Teatro's history has not only been be critical of the dominant culture and, and the system that we live in, but it's also been to be critical of our own community in the faults and in the, in, in the short-sightedness that we do at times, too. So, it, it, I mean, people I, I, we are talking about the jokes. I'm really good at making fun of the dominant culture. I'm really even better at making fun of our own people. And we are great at making fun of ourselves. All of those things, too. We, are, we understand the criticism from the inside. And it's to have that dialogue and go, you know what? That was me. That's me, too. But I'm, I'm part of both of those things. And I need to reconcile those to make it a better world.
0: Because when we get divided is when we get also conquered. And you're right on that humor is the only way to survive institutionalized oppression. That we're always in. Back in 2016, you said to John Moore, one of the most influential theater critics in the states, talking about the lack of local media coverage. The dominant culture has a responsibility to understand the minority culture, not the other way around. That we always have to explain why is it important to elevate the things that we're doing, that takes us double or triple the effort many times.
1: That is, it's, as a dominant is really the key word in that, that we feel that, that everything has to come to that table, not to that table towards us. This doesn't only happen within racial stuff. It happens in terms of genders as, as well. You know, males don't feel they really have to pay attention to what the issues are that women have and such, because that has to be women, on the other hand, understand us so much better than we do. Right? The same thing with trans, you know, for, for, sadly you do. Uh, But also in terms of, 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 of roles within the LGBTQ community too. Straight people feel, well, it's not me. It's not my problem. I don't have to deal with it, but it should really be us learning about all those variants that we live in. So I agree with you and uh, I agree with me, I guess, uh, that we have to, it, it, I don't feel we have to, we have to, jump around and make a bunch of noise just so them to, for them to pay attention to me. There is a responsibility that we have to be in this world together and such. And that's, and that's where we live. Uh, I, don't, I have never felt that I had to explain myself, even though I always do, but I'm explaining myself a lot of times, I think, to our community. I teach in the Chicano Studies Department at Metropolitan State University, and so many of the students come out going saying, I didn't know anything about this, so we don't even know about our own. How can we teach others about our own if we don't know our own too? And uh, those students, they come away. I'm not that, that that I'm magical and stuff like that. It's their own exploration that they start to dig in. They start. We have we have students who they have to go do an experience and write about the experience in their community, and they can't they can't believe many times that writing about a quinceañera family quinceañera is significant enough to get college credit for, you know. And 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 of course it is. Uh, so,
0: and everything tied in in one. It's so fantastic. Is. It's so unique. By being here, I always say we just bring not only color, but culture. And that's what it is. So finally, I would like for you to wrestle with this thing that I found that I said to myself, why is it that Su Teatro calls itself locally grown, nationally known?
1: Su Teatro, it, and I think this evolved. We Well, we called ourselves Su Teatro because exactly what it means it's it's your theater it's, it's cuz we didn't have a theater before we didn't have any place to tell our stories when i first saw Su theater perform and i started to i heard the i heard them the bilingualism i heard them going back and forth between spanish and english right i saw characters that were part of my family and all of a sudden it was a story that i understood in a very very different way i mean i got to school I, I i saw sound of music i sound sound of music i read shakespeare i did all that kind of crap and And this was something that resonated in a very, very, very different way. As we started to to evolve, we felt that we we started to tell stories that actually were very, very local. Uh, We told stories about the Ludlow mining strike. A lot of people don't know that Mexicans, Mexicanos were a big significant part of that strike. This is something that's part of Colorado's history. There's a big monument to it. A lot of people in the union movement understand that, but most of the dominant culture doesn't understand it, but we were there. Most of the people who were killed in that massacre were Mexicanos, people didn't know that. And I wasn't doing it just to kind of uh, kind of say, hey, you didn't know this, now you should know this. It was something that was a story that I had heard and I had learned and I wanted to explore more. We've told stories, our stories began to evolve so much about what was happening here in Denver, the history that took place here in Denver. I think we, we, we logged in about eight different productions that we've done that are about about Colorado, about the experiences in Colorado, there's a piece called 48 which is about the killing of the the, the four the four activists in boulder the 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 los, uh, los seis, seis
0: los the boulder.
1: Mm-hmm. boulder yeah i wrote the piece it's called 48 it's about the 48 hours in between the first bombing and the second bombing so so much of what we've talked about is is the local that local environment and such on the other hand though su teatro has has toured extensively across the country We've had residencies in New York and and, uh, LA and San Antonio. And we have interacted with other Latino theater companies across the country on a national stage for at least 40 of our 50 years, well, 50 years. And so our message has gone out there. So many people come in and go, yeah, I learned so much about Colorado because the theater comes and tells the stories about Colorado. So we've been taking this message of the Raza here out to the rest of the world, Many people um, I was in a I was in a meeting here in Denver uh, and all of a sudden I hear somebody walk in and start to yell my name. And we're in an office meeting, building offices and kind of fancy place. And and I look up and it's a guy I know because I serve on a board, a national board with him. And everybody in the whole place is going, what is with you two guys? And it's like we just know, you know, we know people from all over because the company has been all over the place. A lot of people here don't know that because they know us from our space and where we are and how we end up in their communities. They'll see us out in the community. John and I, John Moore and I, and he would love what you, how you described him. Uh, we were out in front of St. Cachet's Church on the area campus, and we just kept running into people, running into people. And that's that's the local touch that we have. That's very much a part of it. But it's also a message that we've we've performed on national stages, and we've taken the message. That's, I mean, we have LA 10s mm-hmm. reviews
0: and how much you keep on producing and bringing it. Outstanding. It's really outstanding. What a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you today. I just really want to thank you, uh, Tony Garcia, the authentic, the el auténtico, el mero mero, Old school artista completo for joining us for our Storytellers of Color, a collaborative series inspired by Colorado News collaborative groups, journals of color, and Latinx voices group, with an open invitation to other diverse storytellers to come into our airwaves to tell their stories and to occupy the safe space we are providing every second Monday of the month as part of a public affair here in KG and you your community radio thank you so much Tony Garcia for joining us today
1: thank you Rosana
0: I have been your host Rosana better thank you